0: So hello and welcome to the Way to Freight podcast, where we explore the powerful connections between the freight and commodity markets. And today we're going to talk about the LPG freight market, which has been hit by several blows in the last months. And to talk to us through it is Oystein Kolaklev, the CEO of Avance Gas and Flex LNG, both majors in the gas freight market. Thanks Oystein.
1: Thank you, Hannah. Great to be here on the podcast.
0: Thank you. So Einstein, if you look back in the last six months, we have seen the VOGC rates escalate quickly and then plunge just as fast on on at least three separate occasions. Among the main drivers, we see the Panama Canal, most restrictions yet, which has led to Swiss Canal diversions, and then to Cape of Good Hope diversions after the Red Sea tensions escalated in December. That's a lot. Uh, In what situation do you see that these fundamental chains have left the VOGC market today?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, a comprehensive uh, question. Um, now, as you said, the the, the the LPG spot freight market is quite uh, volatile, similar to the LNG spot market, and uh, it's often seasonal as well. Uh, so it's not new that we see this kind of uh, crash in rates at the beginning of the year. We also saw the same thing last year. Uh, it's, it's more sudden uh, at this time of the stage, but we also had much higher rates going into the end of the year than we, we had last year. So we had uh, record rates last year. It was by far the best year since 2015. And as you mentioned, driven by strong US exports, driven by Panama Canal congestion. Uh, right now, Panama Canal, they are, they are of course, finished with a rainy season and water levels has come up, but uh, they're still at a low level. But uh, with uh, a lot of ships being especially on LNG side trading US, uh, Europe, uh, there is capacity. And we do see that the ships are now utilizing the Panama Canal again for southbound. These crazy tariffs where people have been paying $4 million in November in order to skip the queue, they are come down to to more uh, normal levels. So of course um, then, you know, our optimal route to Japan, Houston, back in uh, round trip would be 60 days. Uh, but we don't see people uh, ballasting on spec to Panama for the northbound leg. So it's mostly people are ballasting to right now to, uh, to, to Cape of Good Hope because of the situation in, in Suez. But then people are uh, getting access for southbound slots via Panama on, on the laden leg. So, uh, rather than being, uh, if you have a route Cape, Japan, uh, us uh, 90 days, you get, <laughs> you get uh, a shorter route on the, on the laden leg. And of course that means more ships in position. And then, of course, we we have very cold weather, not only here in in Norway, but in the U.S., so the arbitrage between um, U.S. and and Far East has collapsed, which means there is less money to pay for freight, Uh, and that is also driving down the the freight rates, uh, where actually today we have a premium for the Arabian cargoes compared to the, the U.S. cargoes.
0: Exactly, and there's a uh, a lot. So if we, we, we break, let's first break down for for driver by driver. You mentioned uh, the Panama Canal auctions. Lots did have, they have really fell considerably. Actually, to the point where this weekend we saw some extraordinary slots going away with no bids whatsoever. Mm. What's happening there? Is there more? Is there more room for VLGCs? Can we see some of the trade flow moving back to Panama Canal?
1: Yeah, actually most of the the auctions now are LPG ships uh, taking those slots and as you mentioned, uh, some of these slots are not being even taken up. So so we do see uh, increased uh, uh, kind of trade. Uh, where well, we have had a situation October, okay September October November even into December where most ships were uh, finding it expensive to go through the canal and, and a lot of ships being diverted via Cape uh, where they are now going this shorter route and of course harder than then maybe spending forty five days on the laden leg you are spending maybe thirty days so that is cutting down the ton mileage on our, our, on our own trip. Uh, that said. Of course, we are in a situation where uh, rain season in Panama is starting in June. (laughs) So water levels will be brought down uh, over time. Uh, So we're not really out of the situation where uh, Panama has limitations. There are still limitations on the numbers of transits Uh, and, 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 and very few people are, as I mentioned kind of speculating as owners sending their ships to Panama on the ballast leg in order to shorten down the the trip Uh, because there are uh, not only the you know you have uncertainty you know when you're fixing a ship typically you are fixing a ship with a two-day lake and meaning you have a window to load that cargo within two days and and you don't know if you go northbound are you gonna (laughs) wait for two days or 10 days or 12 days which also means it's hard for the uh, the charter to kind of accept that ship because they don't know whether uh, you will make the the lake end So, so uh, it's improved certainly on the southbound. The northbound is still uh, a bit tricky. And uh, and uh, as mentioned, I I do think we will have problems in Panama Canal later in the year. But uh, but let's see, you know, eh, what, what people have to realize also is the fact that, you know, when they expanded the canal, it was expanded for container traffic and nobody at that time when they expanded the canal was thinking that US suddenly would become by far the biggest LPG and LNG exporter in the world. So it's not really made for, for that kind of trade.
0: Exactly, and it, still on that, uh, some piece, interesting news that came up was that Musk, uh, the contain- big container ship, has announced that they are going to use a, a dry way to cross the canal. So through rail, they were going to use that to try to bypass uh, the canal, which already indicates that what what exactly what you said that mm-hmm. it might get worse in the future. But wouldn't that at the same time maybe open a little bit for the other vessels? Yeah,
1: but if you have a big container ship and you're going to spend a lot of time taking off containers, it's it's not very efficient way of doing it. Uh, A lot of this lately has been driven by draft limitations. So because the water levels are are, are not that deep as as they should be, uh, that means that uh, you put a draft limitation in order to meet that draft limitation, you have to take off containers. Uh, to improve your draft, so uh, so it's but it's not the ideal. It's a lot of logistics to take off containers and then putting them on rail and then taking them on uh, later on.
0: Exactly. And so for the foreseeable future, at least in the next six months, we are probably going to still keep seeing the ships traveling east rather than west to load U.S. shipments to Asia.
1: I think it's on the ballast leg, yes. On Leyden, we will see as long as it's cheap, uh, relative cheap in Panama, you will see more ships doing that. Um, and then let's see how the rainy season starts in, in June. Uh, you know, if there is a, a second El Nino, which can sometimes happen, of course, there will be uh, <laughs> we will be back to the same problems uh, when we come into the autumn.
0: And in the way to the east, we are seeing the rising tensions in the Red Sea, at least as so far has not given any uh, any relief there for the vessels that it's still escalating there, which we can see most the chunk of the flow just going mm. through the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. Uh, and despite all the costs that this implies, because it's a two longer week voyage uh, compared to Panama Canal, we've seen, as you mentioned, uh, an arbitrage crumble and the freight rates falling significantly in the last week, uh almost to 50% uh within a week. Um that's also related to the seasonal seasonal effects of the of the race. They tend to fall like you mentioned before. But can you explain expand a little more and how uh the arbitrage is going to continue uh, continues to impact the price but in the in the near term, in this first semester, is there, are we f- have we found a bottom yet of the rates, or is they are they could they still fall more? What do you see in in the moment?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I was ch- checking the arb just before uh, meeting you here. So the arb for the calendar year twenty four is one hundred and eighty, which is you know. Pretty still a pretty good level, I would say, uh, which support freight for uh, uh, for uh, calendar 24 at around 140, translating into 65,000 for an eco non-scrubber So 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 of course, while rates have fallen a lot, the, the, you know, it's a pretty still uh, you know conductive levels in terms of freight uh, cash break even. Uh, for owners tend to be 20-25 thousand dollars per day so you still have a pretty good margin but you know we are dependent on this arbitrage uh, right now with the cold weather in us as well the, you know lng you know us should be an importer of lng and lpg because i was checking uh the weather in Chicago now—it's minus 20, but feels like minus 30. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been freezing warnings in Houston, a bit similar to what we saw in February 21 when we had this uh, big great freeze of of Texas. So, so it's cold. Uh, gas prices have been on the natural gas side—it's been up to like 15 dollars. Uh, and when, uh, while kind of uh, LNG prices in in asia has fallen below 10 dollars so it really kills off the arbitrage however weather is going to turn warmer in us from next week so so uh, hopefully it's it's uh, it's it's a bit more driven by the weather and the weather is, doesn't tend to stay at this kind of <laughs> Levels for for very long and 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 uh, and once uh, weather get up to a better uh, level, you know, heating demand is gonna uh, subside and and hopefully the arbitrage is gonna stabilize and that is also gonna stabilize the, the freight levels.
0: Yeah, pretty pretty clear in the supply side, but on the demand side, uh, we have also seen less uh, intense demand from China, especially in the context of the. PTH plans, uh, there have been negative mm. margins, so there have been less demand. What? Uh, how do you see that moving forward? Is uh, the demand for LPG going to move more cargos from the US and the Mid-East Gulf uh, heading Asia? What do you see?
1: Yeah, uh, FT had this week, an uh, article uh, I think it was yesterday, about uh, the prices for plastics. They have been falling a lot, which reduced the margins for the... Uh, Chinese BDH plants so so of course that is uh, impacting utilization rates and, and, and margins and I right know plastics I believe virgin plastic is almost half the price of recycled plastic so so prices uh, you know capacity has been expanded a lot in a short time which has driven, of course, demand, but that had also killed off the margins. So so we, uh, we do also need to see some uh, 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 stabilization in this kind of level in order to support growth. Uh, so in that sense, it's good to see also the Chinese government uh, yesterday uh, hinting that they might do a big stimulus package again. Uh, in order to reboot the economy. The economy in China has been a bit disappointing after they scrapped uh, the zero COVID policies. Uh, they have not been able to ramp up demand in the way most people, especially in shipping, <laughs> were hoping for. So if they are putting $190 billion stimulus, hopefully that will also help reboot the economy in China, uh, which is actually right now, while people in the Western societies has been coping with high inflation, they are rather uh, coping with deflation. So the the way to deal with uh, deflation is usually through reflation, which means uh, low low interest policies, uh, supporting growth, and then together with fiscal stimulus, which was the recipe for most uh, economies in Europe and uh, America after COVID. So they are going through the same journey, but uh, they are a bit later to the game.
0: Right, but in terms of demand, uh, it's it's still a positive side, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, there are still uh, plans to be ramped up in in in, uh, in in China, and of course, the Chinese are pretty good at finding uh, energy at ah at ah competitive costs. The U.S. have had a lot of uh, associated gas, which has uh, a low price domestically. So it has been—it's uh, been a good arbitrage for them buying LPG from from US. Uh, right now, of course, LNG prices are fallen a lot. Um, China has not. Been able to get LNG imports up to the level it was prior to COVID. So in 21, they imported uh, 80 million tons. I believe they were down to 66 in 22, and then up to like 74 maybe last year. So so they, but they, at that time, they have rather bought LPG. So while they have been declining on the LNG sides relatively to, to 21, LPG growth has been staggering in, in, in China. But we are at now at a a break. Uh, so the question is more: How long uh, will it last?
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, also, another th- uh, subject that I uh, would like to know: If you think it could be also way in the rates right now, is the VGC order book? We know that mm. lots of vessels uh, were expected to come up within the last four- quarter of last year and the first yeah. quarter of this year. The, yeah. About over about. Uh, a dozen uh, each of quarter, give or take. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: do you do you think in the longer term is this way now? And do you think in the, in the how in the longer term is the VOGC order book uh, affect the market in a hmm. longer term way?
1: Yeah, I think actually everybody was worried about last year. So last year, scheduled deliveries of VLGCs were forty six. Um, so when we were doing our uh, reporting for Avance gas, or Q4 reporting for 22 in February last year. The sentiment around the the VLGC market was extremely bearish. Everybody thought the 23 would be terrible because too many ships hitting the water, basically 15% of the fleet is hitting the water in one year. Uh, So we actually made a a special addition to our uh, quarterly report with uh, a MidBuster VLGC, special edition with five reasons to worry about the market in 23 and then we kind of went through all of the kind of the top fears and uh, addressed those and we said uh, our view was a bit more <laughs> bullish than than uh, than i would say the average market participant uh, and uh, and as i mentioned we ended up with the best year since uh, 2015. And as we've said in advance, we will also deliver our second best results since uh, ever, you know, the best since 2015, because the market was good. And why was it good? Because the Panama con- congestion and then extremely strong export growth from US, which is ton mileage intensive. We've seen slippage, but maybe less slippage than we thought. Um, we had actually four ships for delivery last year. We only took delivery of two of them, and, and the two last ones uh, has been significantly delayed uh, because the yards are quite packed. Uh, so uh, so all altogether that resulted in a fantastic market. We were we never thought we were going to get the levels we saw last year. So in that sense, when this huge order book, 15% of the fleet was delivered. We had a, a, a very favorable situation with uh, the export costs from U.S. and uh, c- congestion, which drove up ton mileage and drove draw, up uh, ton demand. And now we actually are above the peak. So, so the numbers of VLGCs coming for delivery will substantially tail tail off now. The, in the, in the coming years, we we are going from. A market where we had like 46 ships scheduled for delivery last year, we ended up with around 40, and and now we're going for the next couple of years. We are going into uh, deliveries of around 15 ships a year, so much lower growth in terms of of new ships on on uh, in the market for 24, 25, 26, 27. Uh, People are starting to order new ships now again, but those ships are mostly for 27, um, driven by this ammonia play, I would say, where uh, people are... Uh, building what they call the VLAC, the very large ammonia carrier, which is a combination carrier where you can carry typically both LPG and ammonia, uh, and, and 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 there's a lot of people very bullish on the ammonia, and, and 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 kind of the additional cost of adding ammonia notation to the ship is fairly low, uh, which is driving you know uh, some more ordering for 27 and be beyond. Uh, Uh, This is also, of course, driven by the fact that people made a lot of money last year, so a lot of owners raked in on on a good market and they have money to spend on on renewing their fleet, because that said, there is still a lot of old ships, Uh, there's been very limited scrapping of older ships the last uh, 10 years or so, I would say.
0: Exactly. And which brings me to my next question, which is, uh, we've seen just Avance complete its fleet renewal program, mm. selling all 2008 and 2009 build ships, cashing about $185 million with sales. And at the same time, the firm is eyeing the ammonia market with the MGCs. Uh, yeah. So how does that fit into uh, Avance and uh, also LNG's vision for where the market is going forward?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, we had a a fleet renewal program, which was to sell off the two eight and nine built ships. um, And we sold off uh, three ships in 2021. And then we were left with two ships uh, built 2008. uh, And and they were on two year time charters. So it wasn't really (laughs) feasible to sell them, which was a good thing because uh, resale prices have shot up. So we, we recently announced that we are selling both of these ships and we actually had uh, delivery of Iris glory to new owners on, um, on Monday. And then we recently announced, we sold Venus glory, the sister ships, and, and she is due for delivery to new owners end of, uh, the, this first quarter. Um, so those two ships were bought by Avans gas in 2010 when they were two years old each. Um, and now 14 years later, we are selling them for a combined value of 126 million, and they cost us only 140 million 14 years ago. So so <laughs> it's not been a lot of depreciation on those ships. So we felt that it's been a good timing to, to sell off those ships. So while we have been selling five older ships, we have been contracting six new dual fuel VLGC. These ships are much more efficient uh, in terms of fuel consumption. They are bigger, so they can have a bigger parcel size, and they can also burn LPG in addition to very low sulfur oil. So it's, a, it's, a, it's about a 40% improvement on, 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 on fuel. Um, uh, so we have taken delivery of two of these fuel-fuel VGCs, uh, two in 22, two last year, and as I mentioned, we had four for delivery last year, but uh, two of them significantly delayed. And we announced that we are selling the two dual fuel VLGC for delivery this year. Uh, those have also been sold. Uh, the, we weren't planning to sell them, but uh, the resale prices have shot up a lot. So uh, we have been contracting these ships for $78 million each. Uh, we have upgraded them by $2-3 three million for the ammonia notation. Um, and then we're selling them for 120 million each, so 240 combined, and it just becomes too tempting uh, to take some money off the table when the market was good. Uh, at and, and then during the summer last year, where we ordered uh, four MGCs, which are can carry both LPG and ammonia. And reason why we did that was we felt that the price was attractive. $61.5 million each, uh, when which compares very favourable to MGC's similar spec in Korea at maybe $70 million plus with later delivery. We have delivery from N25 to N26. Uh, and, and we think these are ideal for ammonia because uh, we, we, when the ammonia market comes, it will take some time, I believe. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of it will start with smaller cargos, not necessarily the huge cargoes you have on the VLGCs so uh, the combination of uh, a good price and and a good kind of future proofing of the ships that they can carry both LPG and ammonia made sense so we're using the money from the sale of the, the older ships to kind of finance the new four MGCs so we're selling two older VLGCs to invest in four MGCs and then the, disease, we, we, uh, the dual fuel VGCs uh, we recently sold those there we have communicated, we will return money uh, or capital to our owners. Uh, we raised capital to, to finance those ships, $65 million in 2021. And then we are planning to return some of that capital to the shareholders since we have divested those ships. So it's it's an iterative process and a dynamic process and <laughs> it's uh, you you know but in general what we try to do is to get our you know sell off the older ships get newer more efficient ships and this is something you have to do all all the time and 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 you know some things we share with our our sister uh, companies I'm sitting here in Oslo office where we're running about 250 ships where we are basically six shipping companies, it's uh, Flex and Avance, which I'm running, and then Frontline, the biggest tanker company in the world, Golden Ocean, the, I, whether it's the biggest or the second biggest uh, tribal company, I think it depends on definition of deadweight tons or number of ships, and and then SFL, it's a maritime leasing company, and and last one is the private fleet of Mr. John Fredrickson Sea Tankers, so we're running those, company and uh, from this office and as you can see from frontline they have just recently done a, a big renewal of their fleet they, they bought 24 VLGCs new modern VLGCs from Euronav and then they just announced that they're selling off five VLG, VLCCs, uh, and, and that means the, the oldest ship remaining in the fleet will be 2015. Which is similar to to Avance Gas, where the oldest ships we have in the fleet after this fleet renewal will be 2015. And for Flex, actually, the oldest ship we have is 2018.
0: Uh, will the this uh, renewal of the fleet also be it's also targeting the new EU emissions trading system? Because this is a big one of the big subjects this year. That's a measure to reduce carbon emissions in the shipping sector. Uh, how do you think this? Uh, even though Europe is not the main route within the US, there's a lot of deliveries in the Europe. How do you, do you would you say that these new legis- the new legislation, the news measures, is going to affect the market and whether it would create a two-tier market? That's been said, like the, the most efficient vessels going there and the others going to non-EU routes. Do you think we would see something like that in the LPG market as well?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, the LPG market, uh, Europe is a tiny <laughs> importer, so EU uh of the emission trading system will not have a very big impact because there are fewer ships but as you mentioned of course it makes more sense to send the most efficient ships into EU in order to reduce that taxation of the carbon emissions but in addition to EU ETS uh, there's also the IMO CII which is the carbon intensity indicator where all ships uh, get a label as almost like the fridge you have when you're buying it in a consumer electronics store, you get from A to F, uh, and, and all the ships will get the annual certificate based on the emission profile of that ship. Uh, and of course, the newer ships, they will be rated A or B, while the older ships, they are C, D and E and, and below. So so uh, you also have to comply with those kind of uh, rules. Uh, so that means that it makes sense, but it's also a you know a economic incentive. Uh, fuel is expensive, so uh, newer ships, which have larger parcel size and and less fuel consumption, is also beneficial in terms of earnings capacity of the
0: ships. Okay, great. And uh, just uh, moving back to the MGCs actually, uh, we've seen the rates for the MGCs also lifting quite uh, for the time charters uh, and also the calculations that we do for some routes uh, daily. We also seen the rates growing substantially. Um, Is there a a potential market that uh, the advance is dipping its toes in? What do you think? What are the, the prospects within the MGCs market?
1: Yeah, now, as you mentioned, the, the rates have been coming up, uh, driven, of course, by the VLGCs. If, if the VLGC rates goes too high, it makes more sense to just... Uh, Charter into MGCs and cut the parcel size in, in half. So it's a bit similar to you what you see in you know, in the tanker space where if the VLCC the rates goes too high, you rather charter into Suez Maxes or similar. So so it, it's it's a bit uh, same to that. It, it, it's hard for me to predict future rates for our um, MGCs. We are taking delivery end 25 for the first ship and then three ships in 26. So so we. We are exposed to the rate at, at that time hopefully they will also improve uh, because the mgc order book is not very big um uh, uh, but of course term rates are something you know we haven't decided yet we we contracted the ships because we felt the price was uh, right we felt the spec was good it was a good spec with ammonia so what we are considering now is to just uh, get to know with uh, different charters and, and explore the possibilities of either chartering those ships uh, on, on long-term contracts, uh, three, five, seven, ten years contracts, uh, or uh, have them open for the spot market and, and then hopefully we will know this before we take delivery of the ships. But we are perfectly fine trading these ship spots as we do with most of the advanced fleet. Um, so it really depends on what kind of economics we can get in terms of, of uh, term rates versus what we believe the spot rates will be and then you know you never know might be some people also looking for ships for ammonia as well so we we trade the one or two ships as ammonia carriers so
0: 2023 the company thought it would be a hard year and it ended up being the best uh, for the ship owners what is for 2024?
1: yeah <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. I, I was we were running Flex in in 2021. Um, and then everybody thought LNG spot market would be terrible in 2021 and it ended up being the best year since 2014. So most people are <laughs> wrong most of the time. so uh, but if you look at the balance of the market, there is less export growth. Uh, this year than last year. Last year it depends a bit on the OPEC. So, of course, if, if oil prices are stabilizing at a good level, you might see uh, higher OPEC production, which will certainly help the, the LPG exports out of Saudi. I think that will uh, probably not happen before the second half of the year. So, so uh, if that happens, that the OPEC cuts are scaled back, then then we will probably see some more growth from the A.G. market. Uh, U.S. will continue to grow, but not as strong uh, in this year as last year. Uh, but numbers of ships will significantly tail off from 40 to to less than 20 this year. So there will be less 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 growth on 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 the supply side of ships. Uh, so then what will matter is is uh, the, the arbitrage uh, and and of course uh, the, the 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 routes the ships are taking uh, the sailing distances are are we going to see Panama congestion again which are going to drive more ships out of Panama on the south pond leg so uh, but in general i you know I think the you know, the best indicator at least is the the FFAs the Forward freight agreement. Where what kind of levels are those on? Uh, and as I mentioned in the beginning of the the program, here was they are today at uh, around 65,000 for a equal non-scrubber. So yeah, that's a pretty good number, you know. And when we have a cash break even in the low 20,000, so so uh, we managed to live very well with that because uh, the ships we have in the spot market has a scrubber. That is typically a benefit of $5,000 per day, and then we do have some of the large dual fuel ships, four of them, uh, and then there's even more earnings premium on those ships because you have bigger parcel size, you spend less fuel, and you can burn LPG instead of very low sulfur oil, which is much cheaper if you can load it, in, especially in the US. So, um, so you know, we are relatively optimistic for the year, um, and we are actually having a higher spot exposure this year than last year. so uh, and, and and then I think it looks even better for 25 even though the FFA for uh, 25 is slightly lower. Uh, I, I, but I think it's it looks better in the sense that we will have even less ships. For 25, and of course you have ships getting older and at one point in time you have to see more scrapping here because it's been <laughs> been a market with barely any scrapping for a very very long time.
0: Uh, thank you very much for sharing your expertise today Austin. and Thank you Johanna
1: and thank you to Argus for inviting me.
0: Of course. And thank you everyone for tuning in. You can as always download the limited edition file where you can see some slides on what we've been talking about here in the description to the podcast. We'll see you again on the next Wait Of Free.